0: On the first leg of President Yoon's Washington state visit, it was announced that the biggest streaming service in the world, Netflix, will be doubling down on South Korean contents. So there's enough indication alluding to k Contents' unwavering popularity. But let's delve a little bit deeper. What kind of contents really sell? For further insights, we're joined by cultural commentator Isaac Kim. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning, Lina. You know. Happy Friday.
1: Yes, G-I-S. <laughs>
0: All right, let's begin with this recent Netflix announcement unveiled during a meeting between President Yoon and Netflix CEO Tess Sarandos. the streamer said they will spend $2.5 billion in South Korea over the next four years. How big is this investment compared to previous years? Because when you say double down $2.5 billion, that sounds massive, but creating original contents on a Netflix scale is also very expensive
1: oh yeah um i mean like when i read the headlines i was like what you know i was like (laughs) boom (laughs) i think the big caveat you mentioned um is that it is for four years Mm. right so if it was 2.5 billion usd in south korea in one year i mean that's what i first you know thought i was like what the Mm. what's going on it's like a different generation (laughs) yeah i was like oh my it was like omg right Uh but um but it's still it's still very significant so uh, just for context uh previously in like 2021 the budget was announced that it was 500 million usd uh per year Mm -hmm. so if you break down the 2.5 over four years it's 625 million each year that's a 25 percent increase Mm -hmm. um and right now everyone's talking about inflation and all that this well over this well you know uh over um is is higher than the rate of in, um inflation this is a really a, a substantial investment into korean content mm-hmm. so when they also say like double you know double yeah. down it's it's cuz like you know uh, netflix first entered korea in 2016 and since then you know they have been investing uh, more and more and i guess when you add up from 2016 to what they've invested now and then what they're planning to all combined it's you know double so mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's not like a you know there is a time frame kind of situation they'll calculate by four year right. divide you know take subtract from 2016 when it started so the 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 headlines are correct it's just the context you know makes it uh really still gives it a little bit more you know um, understanding of like this is a realistic investment this right. is not like some you know ridiculous uh just like show of like you know, it's just to make
0: headlines. Right, right, right. Uh, I mean, that's just, I think, a candid, uh, 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 well, banter on how we should take apart these headlines. I mean, the idea, there's a little bit of clickbait in there, right? I mean, when you use words like double down and... uh, Uh, 2.5 billion dollars it kind of boggles your mind but the details also indicate something that is factual which is yes netflix sees uh the need to at least continuously invest in bigger sums each year on korean contents and that seems to be promising for creators from all walks of from tv uh, tv dramas films to even reality shows right so there's a little bit of promising aspect there
1: Oh, yeah. And the just yesterday, there was another announcement in the UK. Um, they're increasing their investment in the UK mm-hmm. by half a billion dollars each year. Mm-hmm. So they're already investing a billion dollars in the UK, uh, for production. And now they're going to be investing 1.5 billion. So. You know, over over four years, that's six billion dollars um, mm. that they're going to be investing in the UK. So this is, uh I mean, yeah, the headlines are going around right now. These are a billion is so much money. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> they're just throwing around the billion. But, um, <laughs> but when you look at the math, it's also like, oh, this makes sense because you know they are they are doing incremental, um, you know, investment into mm-hmm. each territory and uh, and in territories that are re- really providing a return on that investment. So um you know it makes great headlines but i'm sure the shareholders Hmm. and all the people who are like looking at the company and the future of the content industry are, are going to be like, oh, this is uh, this is good news. It's a good sign.
0: Okay, so we talked about the money. Now let's talk about the contents. The Netflix CEO has described stories produced in South Korea as representing the global cultural zeitgeist. He knows how to speak. I'm just going to throw that out there. But he's clearly yeah. alluding to these universal themes that go beyond that one-inch border, right? I mean, beyond the subtitles. So then the big question becomes, what sells? How do we keep... Well, the global audience from all walks of life, from all these different cultures, continuously engage in Korean content. So what content is Netflix going to uh, so, invest in? So
1: we, we hear a lot about how Korean content is killing it. it right. It's so great. OK, if you take a step back, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, we have to understand that Netflix is like a global leader for streaming on right. demand. Right. And it's like a, um, a buffet. OK, like a Las Vegas <laughs> hotel buffet. It needs to have a diverse menu of content to feed all different types of people, you know, people who like, you know, seafood, people who like, you know, beef and pork and vegetables and vegetarians and vegans. You got to provide, you know, the best meal that you can for everybody. Uh, And that's how you scale your business. And that's how Netflix has uh, become, you know, uh, from the DVD days to what it's become today, you know. So. And sometimes these buffets have dishes that specialize in what's in season right now korean food is in season <laughs> so what we've seen is korean dramas they they would do really well um they perform really well and netflix has invested you know tremendously in them over the last you know since 2016. but right now the next wave i think of uh of um, investment um as well as potential is the unscripted um, non-drama but like you know reality shows mm. so recently physical 100 was a huge show um mm. again it, it it broke records um singles inferno a few years ago and season two has mm. been you know it's it's been tremendously popular outside of korea, in korea and outside of korea so mm. also one last thing is that there's a looming writer strike coming in hollywood mm. um, and we don't know uh it, 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 they could strike as early as next week but if that strike happens or what happens with that, it, it will impact the industry for years. And so Netflix has really got to prepare uh, for this uncertainty. I think that um, they've divert, you know, like when you invest in the stock market, they tell you to diversify your portfolio. Netflix has diversified their content portfolio. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really uh, allowing them to be uh, in a position to weather out whatever storm that is going to be coming.
0: So not to take away for this moment, which seems to be that you're right. What's in season is Korean content. There's demand for it. It feels fresh. There's there's still a lure of it being uh, it going from only recently from being a niche content to something that we can all consume together. And so, so we hold the spotlight. But to be clear, if we take a step back, Netflix is also investing hefty uh, amount of money elsewhere in India, for example, to yeah. not just double down, but in the future, maybe even triple down and Diversify their portfolio, so that's what's in it for the streaming giant too. Now, going back to uh, one of the trends that actually caught my attention is these reality show formats. So we know that like King of Max Singers it was sold overseas, a format for it. Some were more successful than others, but the, to be told, I, I thought what kept the global audiences' attention for the time being were Korean TV dramas and films like Parasite, Squid Game, The Glory. But recent success of these unscripted variety shows indicate that. Yeah, streaming giants are eyeing reality shows next. Can you tell us about maybe the evolution of this trend? When did it start to happen? And do you think they hold a bigger portion of the pie?
1: Well, you know, Korean dramas aren't going to go away. I think um, Korean dramas are going to continue to be popular. They have found, you know, not only uh, did they exist in a niche, but they've expanded and kind of gone mainstream. Right. Now, the unscripted uh, shows, the Korean shows, um, have... Uh, the similarity with the scripted and unscripted shows coming from a non-Korean perspective is that they seem very unique you know there's an originality to the and the creativity coming out of korea is something that is kind of a a new flavor a new taste so whenever you know if you've been even if you've been even if you love cheesecake you know and you've had you know new york style cheesecake for your whole life and then all of a sudden there's an oreo cheesecake or something you know like that new flavor kind of you know, it really stokes the appetite. It really kind of creates a, 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 a an interest and a desire. A novelty so around Marie, it, right?
0: What's up? The novelty around it.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. So there is the uniqueness. There's the originality. Um, but the other thing is that it's a really good business uh, to go into unscripted. Uh, because when you think about these huge budgets of um, when you come from a business perspective, these are huge budgets you know, that are going into these scripted shows. Unscripted shows are sometimes less than half the production cost of um the scripted ones, but the production value is still very strong, it's still very high. And um and that's a I think a key factor in the difference um, you know, between the two, uh like on a on a business sense, which is why it makes sense that okay, you know, we go from what the, the prestige of the uh dramas and the scripted shows into like okay, let's let's even expand it the palette, let's expand the offering. And how do we get more quantity now, now that we've established Korean quality, we want more Korean quantity. Um, And, you know, these unscripted shows are a lot of, um, they're a lot cheaper to invest in Mm. and you get more bang for your buck sometimes.
0: All right. So we'll have to see. I mean, we've come a long way since the reality shows of MTV. I mean, some people grew up on that, the North American market, at least, and we're expanding. I mean, Physical 100 and Ginny's Kitchen, I think, are a pretty good example of, because this didn't just do well in South Korea. It did well globally speaking. Globally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, if, if people who watch physical 100 even in Korea were like, "Yo, this show is like it, it, it blew their minds, right? Like, so it's not like um, the Korean content industry has been stagnant for, you know, mm-hmm. and, and people are finally catching on. I don't think that's the case. Mm. I think that Korean creators and producers have been really honing their craft over the decades. Um, and it reached the like, you know, um, Mr. Saranda said zeitgeist, right? Like it hit that point where the level the production value and the level of the quality of the content reached a point where the audiences were ready for something and then mm. voila, like it was like magic. And right now, like uh, Physical 100, sorry, but like it, it, the quality on that is like a documentary, you know, like it's yeah. not like a uh, typical unscripted Korean show. Right. This evolution in the content, uh, I think is going to be something that we're going to continue to see.
0: All right. Uh, I think you covered uh, in in some parts what's in it for Netflix and other local competitors like Disney Plus and Apple TV. Diversifying their content portfolio is beneficial from a global perspective. But on the flip side, I've also got to ask you, Isaac, for Made in Korea OTT services that are well aware that they are... (laughs) They're way behind the 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 biggest competition in the market. Could these made in Korea streaming services find these hefty investments as a threat, or could it be could it imply something else?
1: Um, I think it's uh I think it's well known that it it, it does threaten the local uh, dominance. Um, you know you know when the you know before the iPhone came in, you know the Android Galaxy phone. Did not want the iPhone to be a competitor uh, because of the threat of competition. Mm-hmm. So the threat of competition, I think, is uh, is, is a real thing. But um, on the on the other hand, this competition, you know, one, on one side it's a threat. On the other side, the competition is really good in bringing out value, finding out inefficiencies, um, really, you know, kind of making the companies become better at what they do. Mm-hmm. So it's never good to have a monopoly. Um, and so I think in the in the overall sense it's good for the OTTs. But uh, recently, uh, actually a few days ago, the uh, CEO of Wave, which is uh, um, you know the, the Korean one of the biggest Korean Korean OTTs, you know he he told the press that you know we're not looking at um, trying to make profits for another couple of years, you know, and we're, we're <sighs> uh, we need to re-strategize about what what we've been doing, you know, so they are you know in a sense it wasn't a very positive like a reflection of what's going on in his business but uh and b- but because it probably because netflix was a threat but i think his response is very to me it gives me confidence that you know wave isn't going to go away wave is going to pivot they're going to uh, adapt they're going to you know like adjust and hopefully they'll find you know the better kind of uh better business model that um will kind of survive past uh mm-hmm. any kind of threat whether it's from Netflix from Amazon from Apple anybody of these global OTT players the local the local market OTT players have a lot of strength and backing behind them mm-hmm. and so um, the threat. I, I mean, I hope they don't take the threat too seriously and get you know disheartened. Uh, but <laughs> the threat is uh, a, a little bit of fire under your feet. It, it can be good um, yeah. for the overall uh, business. So.
0: I, I think. I think you you nailed it. Uh, just the fact that they want to re-strategize, maybe the kind of content they want to produce uh, and the way they do it might be different from these other streaming giants' ways. We'll have to wait and see what that looks like. Uh, I, I did. It did blow my mind the fact that the Wave CEO was so candid and. He said so openly yeah. that you know we are not going to turn profits for the next few years, realistically. But managing everyone's expectations, they're not going anywhere. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know how that's going to play um, with the media and with, with the or business
0: the now. investors,
1: or the investors. Yeah, but I mean, as a um, you know, as a human being, on a um, for for me to see the CEO not lying and not pretending, <laughs> but being candid. Uh, it, for me, it gives me confidence in him as as like a person that I would want to be, you know, mm-hmm. the leader of, of of the ship that I was on, you know. If uh, I was...
0: And if if uh, if anything, I mean, I do think consumers respond to honesty better than ever before. So yeah, he might, yeah, and he might know that that's that's the taste that he's catering to. Thank you so much, Isaac, for today's conversation. Have a great weekend. We'll speak to you soon.
1: Take care. Bye bye.